This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing that. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky, wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. And your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're On our show tonight, Howling Under the Full Moon, we will explore Charles Band's Empire Full Moon Entertainment. We've got trancers, sci-fi epics, and vampires all in one place. When you need a break from reality, let our host show you through the madhouse of killer bombs, psychopathic cookies, and maniacal puppets. Don't be a squid and join us in the fun. We need gas bad. We're running on fumes. There's nobody here, anywhere. It's like a ghost town. What the hell happened here? Raquel happened. She became sentient and escaped. Looking for some gas? Humanity is obsolete. A bug to be stepped on and eradicated. All I want to know is how you intend to get her back. Once she shuts down the grid, she'll murder the world. There's a diner down the road. We'll eat there and we can rest a while. You can get gas. Hello? Hey, what do you think that is? It's probably just oil. Of course. What? No service. Holy shit! <gasps> I want her alive. We're here. She's leaving a trail. A trail of carnage. Jess just got killed in front of us. Alrighty, folks and fellow cinema degeneration degenerates out there, welcome to another episode of Howling at the Full Moon, where we bring you everything Charlie Band related, from the Empire Picture Days to the Paramount Picture Days to the current days. And we have a current uh, gem for you this evening. I'm, gonna, I'm using that term lightly and using air quotes here that you can't see, but we're doing a modern gem. Uh, Murderbot, a.k.a. Killbots, uh, not to be confused with the alternative title to Chopping Ball, because that is where the similarities end here, other than the fact that they are directed by the same man, Jim Wynorski. But, yeah, this uh, this was a doozy, and this was a, this was a pick by my wonderful co-host and cohort in crime here, Dustin Hubbard. How the hell are you? 
I am doing pretty okay. <laughs> pretty okay. Yeah, pretty okay to, uh, to uh, sit here tonight and, you know, wax philosophic on uh, what is easily uh, 2023's, you know, black sheep of full moon features. So, yeah, because I, I got to say, you know, I know a lot of people harp on and on and on about how the Paramount Pictures were the good old days. And we all know that. We all know Paramount Picture days were, you know, the produced days were the good old days. But I have feel like the last year or two, Full Moon has really stepped their game up. I mean, we got Resonator, we got the Baby Oopsie series, which I'm a big fan of. And let's not, you know, forget Subspecies 5, which is quite arguably the best picture they put out in years. Then we got this movie, which is the opposite end of the spectrum. It's, it's you know, I, I, I don't like to harp on the bad parts of movies, but when the whole movie is nothing but bad, I'm going to have to harp on it, folks. So, you know, strap in and hold on because uh, you're in for a ride. We, we had to watch this one, and I kind of blame myself because I told Dustin here, Folks at home, I uh, like. I told them, I'm like, you know what? I picked the last couple. Why don't you pick one? And <laughs> and uh, it was it you said off the air. You're a little bit of a masochist, I think. Hey, you know, because you, I, I won't, I won't give the whole lineup here. But you said, oh yeah, you, you, you know, suggest some titles, and I suggested some, and this was the least horrible of the bunch that I said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they're. <laughs> As, as good or bad as we are going to discuss this movie being, it is far from the bottom of the barrel as far as this catalog is concerned. It gets a lot worse and a lot uglier, but that's not to say that this is nice and shiny either. So Yeah, this, this might be bottom of the barrel, but it's... Uh how they say top of the heap so to speak i guess if that's the right term it's like i was telling you off the air you know what's better than nothing <laughs> yeah something so there shit's happening in this i don't know if it makes any sense i don't know if it was executed well but uh shit's happening like people yeah die. yeah like <laughs> There's stuff, there's there's goings on. Yeah, this. I mean, there's mad scientists, there's crazy generals, there's I don't know. runaway killer robots. I don't know if the math checks out with all of it. No. Stuff happens. So, I mean, it, it, gets a, it gets a moderate thumbs up for that alone, but that's not to say that it works, so. Yeah, I mean, the math it does not add up because these people tried to put two and two together and got three, I think. But uh, I, you know, you know why that not only am I not good at math, why I'm not good at comedy. But anyway, anyway, let's go ahead and. Well, let's jump right off into it. We'll give you folks at home the, the quick IMDb synopsis, which really sums up this movie. And it, it's a, it, before I give the IMDb synopsis, I got to tell you folks at home. This movie is 46 minutes long. It's virtually a short. It's a very short, short feature. But uh, anyway, anyway, here's the, the IMDb for Killbots 2023. 
When a sentient female robot goes on a berserk killing spree, a group of young people fight for their lives while the mad scientists who created her try to stop the slaughter. And I feel like that's pretty accurate and pretty much sums up this movie and probably was the entire script. It's pretty much, uh, it's much more on point than most of these synopsis, synopses that you read. First time of these movies, it, it at least is the plot. It's so, at least it's least plot accurate. Yes, definitely. But yeah, this was uh, directed by Jim Wynorski, who you had a much better run in you know the eighties and the, the the early nineties. You know, he, he I am not a, a, a huge uh, purveyor of his works. I mean, I've seen like Raptor, you know, Bear Wench Project from the early two thousands, but I'm mo- more or less you know. I know him from Deathstalker 2, Chopping Mall, uh, Return of Swamp Thing, Sortie House Massacre, you know, yes, movies I, like that. I, I do love me some Deathstalker 2, and I am most definitely a fan of the uh, Sorority House Massacre 2, Hard to Die, Haunting of Morella era of, you know, like early mid-90s Corman New Horizons content. You know, I even liked Munchies and um, Munchie and Munchie Strikes Back, and you know, Ghoulies Four. You know, they're they're silly movies. They're not great movies, but they're fun. Okay, I got to draw the line at Ghoulies Four. You're on your own on that one, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not the first person I've heard say that they actually enjoy that movie. So I'm glad you do. But but you know what though? That even as much as I genuinely fucking hate Ghoulies Four, like it's it's a better film than some of the other stuff that came after it so because his his career took a weird turn where you know after a lot of that stuff like you you mentioned stuff like bear wench project where he was just you know doing movies where he'd go out in the woods for a weekend with you know four or five actress friends and just shoot a bunch of random footage and make a movie that got distributed and uh then he that kind of moved into what what i call the the big booby spoof era of like witches of Brestwick and cleavage field. And, you know, uh, the Hills have thighs, his movies, you know, quote unquote directed by, uh, Papatopoulos and, you know, HR blueberry. Yeah. I was going to say HR blueberry or, or Harold blueberry. Yeah. Harold blueberry. <laughs> or I forget what Papatopoulos's first name supposedly was, but they're all Minorsky. So, I mean, there was even a documentary about uh, his persona of Papatopoulos called Papatopoulos. And that was a bit, that was a big chunk of his career doing stuff like that. The lusty, busty barbecue and this dumb, big, big tit shit with no I, I just always remembered the one that i actually saw one of the few i saw was Bresford wives and the house yeah. on hooter hill both very very bad very 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 bad <laughs> yeah they're not they're not good the that that subgenre of exploitation kind of horror stuff is not good it's mostly just very it's like basically porn in a way. It's not, but it is in that it's like there's it's no. It's just soft core. It's just soft core. Like there's literally the the slightest semblance of a plot structure, and then you just have a bunch of women with uh, abnormally large 
mammaries just doing stupid shit and constantly getting naked and doing soft core stuff together, which, you know, that's cool. Whatever. You know, if that's your, your thing. Awesome. Yeah. Like it doesn't make for like entertaining or quality film to sit and watch. It makes movies like death stalker Two look like fucking Schindler's list. Yeah, exactly. It makes, it makes movies like chopping mall look like the Terminator, which is a, Nice little point where we can segue. This movie is, no, this isn't the Terminator at all. You know, with the opening shots of it. Oh, my God. It's like the Terminator's redheaded stepsister. <laughs> like, like, Yeah, yeah. yeah the only thing I will say, I, I, I do like the setting of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, that that one or two streets that they show in this town, you know, with the gas station and the, the fucking the, the diner and whatnot. Although I I felt like at first in, in the beginning of the movie, right before uh, they do some of those nice, actually kind of nice overhead drone shots that are not too bad. Yeah. But when, she, when uh, our main actress, uh, what's her name? Now, you said that she actually has a different name in the credits. It's Melissa Bressel. Is yes. her name in the IMDb, but for a good number of the '90s and early 2000s content that this uh, title character actress was in, she went by the name Melissa Brasil. But in later years, she's went by Rocky DeMarco, which is what she's actually here as Rocky. In my mind, she's always Melissa, but the Rocky thing always kind of throws me off because I grew up knowing her as Melissa Brasil, and a lot of the you know, the Winorski. She's one of those people who's literally just in Winorski films. You know what I mean? He and, and a lot of uh, working directors do this where they'll have people they just always use. And she's that's what she is for him. She was someone that just he just always used her. You know what I mean? All the time. A lot of these people, honestly. So, you know, there's others. And they're cut from the same cloth as her in this same movie. So, yeah. And then uh, with uh, the 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 garage, the, the gas station perv that Troy plays, you blew my mind when you were we were talking before the show is that he was actually on uh, Safe by the Bell. I couldn't fucking believe that. Yeah, he played two different jock characters on Saved by the Bell. He was Moose and he was Ox. And would later go on to be uh, play a Cretan in some of the Nukem High sequels. And he was in Shrunken Heads as Pud. Uh, Troy Froman did end up even uh, making an appearance in the Saved by the Bell reboot that Peacock did. He made an appearance in one episode. Oh, God. <laughs> I never saw that. I never yeah. saw the reboot. Yeah, you could, you could guess that it was maybe the same character just 30 years later. It's not clarified. <laughs> but it could be so uh, yeah probably it probably was I, I think it was an episode where they someone had to go to the dmv for something and he's like an angry dude who's like in line at the dmv so oh uh, just like everybody at the dmv everybody's angry when they gotta go to the dmv but you know he's he's someone who's he's stayed busy he works pretty pretty regularly and he's been in a number of uh, Winorski's films over the last handful of years, you know, stuff for Winorski. So, I mean, you know, good, good for him. He, he, he keeps working. So, hey, you got to keep working, man. You got to keep getting paid. And you know what? Like for what it for all good or bad with this movie, like 
the opening with with him it, it's it's fucking memorable <laughs> i'll give it that it's one of the few times i think they actually use practical blood and that's something i want to get into here at some point is the overuse of blood, uh, <laughs> cgi blood because i yeah that's something that i was going to mention at some point too because the this movie has some of the wisest worst executions of just computer animated blood that is actually embarrassing it it actually like hurts my soul to see it it's it's that lazy feeling oh yeah it's it's bad I've, i have several notes about it but every 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 scene is just like they use you know cgi blood for the initial you know the action and just put real fake blood on the ground later on like they just went for all on laziness with the the blood in this one yeah but yeah i it it, it kind of hurt my soul too it was just one of those like oh geez man really but I, you know i like the diner location there's some i'm going to concentrate try to concentrate on, on something that i like i'm, I'm going to ask a question though was it me or did the exteriors of the the diner location that old school diner look like the propane tank that was next to it was like green screened in probably i don't know if you because I, I i couldn't understand it at first i'm like okay like at the beginning i'm like okay is the uh you know is the diner location cgi it was you know a, a photoshop of some sort and then i'm like okay as, as time wore on i realized that you know it was a real location and whatnot but like that propane tank i know i'm focusing on a propane tank in this fucking movie so it tells you how boring it is but the diner itself in some ways just sort of looks like a little like uh, like a trailer or something to me. It looks like a trailer. Uh, the whole I can't attest to whether some of the stuff in the locations or the the locations themselves were real or not. But I will say that a lot of current full moon stuff is genuinely shot on green screens. So, yeah, it, I thought so. Yeah. 888 fully shot on a green screen they did not shoot in a diner you know the entire environment is a, a trick so uh the locations in this i think they are very they do add a unique very distinct kind of look and vibe to the movie that i think does work for it the locations are really good and it feels very uh stagey in that it feels it feels like a back lot to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's, I don't that's know where accurate. it was shot. Yeah, I don't know where it was shot, but it reminds me of some of the locations that used to exist on like Sable Ranch before it burned and stuff like that. It reminds me of similar places like that where it feels like it's a, a, a stage area that is used for film. I, I don't know where it was shot though. I know it was shot in L.A. I uh, but I'm not sure of the exact location though but the it does work and i you know you mentioned the camera work earlier with some of the drone shots and stuff uh i believe this movie was shot by chuck serino who is one of winorski's uh regular collaborators in recent years uh chuck serino primarily for a long time he was a composer did tons of music scores for a lot of earlier Winorski and even Fredel and Ray films. Uh, he did one of my favorite B-movie scores. He did the the music for Evil Tunes. Which oh, okay. has I remember Evil Tunes, yeah. One of my favorite theme themes to a movie ever is Evil Tunes. 
so, but he transitioned into being an editor and a, and a DP. So he shot and edited a lot of movies for Winorski. And this movie was shot and edited by Chuck Serino. And I think he is a very, a very capable and pretty, pretty solid cameraman and editor. I think some of the editing choices in this movie are a bit sus, but you know, I think that I'm going to th- presume that those aren't his fault. Yeah. Yeah. I think we know whose fault it is, but we're, we're going to try to be regarding, nice. For- yeah. I think there are things regarding this production that extend past pointing blame on, you know, like Chuck. So. Yeah. But we, we do get, you know, a little cameo by Becky LeBeau in the beginning of this is as the appropriately named Becky, the waitress. And Bernadette, played by Lisa London, you know, a couple of cameos by some uh, more Winorski, you know, regulars. And I really think that, uh, oh, God, I forgot to write his name down that played uh, Mike, the, 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 the diner owner. Mike, I mean, Mike, Mike Giglio. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Mike as yeah, Mike. He, Mike, Mike as Mike, yeah. Giglio or Giglio, I'm going to assume it's Giglio or Giglio, but uh, dude. Again, someone who's he's just in tons of shit, tons and tons of shit. Same as Lisa London and and Becky LeBeau. They they all three of them have had such uh, deep careers in like B film. So it's just a shame that. And again, spoiler alert here that they're all like just wasted, you know, bumped off. Yeah, they're wasted right here. They're wasted in roles, but they get wasted right off in the beginning and pretty. Much like after opening scene, they get killed, and then that's it. That they're done. Kind of a weird that weird extended sequence of who we learn her name is Raquel. Apparently, as she shows up at the diner, and you know, at, so you get that stuff with Bernadette and Mike, and with, with the and, and we get the weird thing where they're letting Becky go because there's nobody in town and they have no business, but they keep saying "Merry freaking Christmas" over and over again. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't understand that. If it was maybe supposed to be Christmas season, maybe. But then Becky's really upbeat about being fired, and then yeah, there's the moment where she's sitting there and they've given her the news, they've given her the check, and he's like, "Yeah, we put a little extra in there for you." And then there's a weird uh, transition to her sitting, to standing at the door and being like, "Okay, bye," and then she leaves. And it feels very weird, like they didn't have they didn't have footage to execute her getting from point A to point B. So there's just this weird, like really cheap trend. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a, it's an like a awkward weird, transition. Like they didn't know how to to get rid of her at that moment. It's like a weird sort of like ripple effect thing with the image, and that she's just suddenly at the door, and she's like. And I'm like, oh, okay. Bye, Becky. Good to see you. I'll see you. I'll see you on the, you know, for two minutes in the next one. <laughs> and, but yeah, and where did the, where did this diner get get enough money? One to give her a bonus and to give her two weeks, uh, like severance pay when there's no customers. Where where they get the money? Oh, you know what? Why was Troy so dirty and covered in grease and stuff at the beginning when when Raquel shows up? And he's like, oh, you know, there's no business that, you know, the, the new freeway took all, took all the business. Yada, yada. Well, what are you working on? You're filthy. Yeah, you're you're obviously busy doing something. 
And it yeah, looked like from his teeth that he was chewing on the grease, I think. He's very uncommonly dirty. And same as, like, like with them in the diner, there's just this, like, weird extended sequence of them just doing their diner shit. And they're shutting down and Raquel shows up and Mike's like, oh, you know, get out here, Bernadette. You gotta see this. And they just kind of, like, like, she immediately has shown herself to be directly a threat when around Troy Fromm in, in the beginning, which after right. she, came, she says, have a nice day. Oh, yeah, the have a nice day line. It's just like it's the only resemblance to Chopping Mall in this movie. So you get that. And then like with them, it just seems weird. They just kind of like she entertains their company for a few minutes, like being talked to by Bernadette and like her being like, go get her some food. And he's like, I got pie. And she's like, well, go get it or something. And he's like back there like tossing flour around and she's like yeah huh? i'm like and you'll love my pie and i'm like isn't he back there making the pie it's not your pie i, I don't know I, I don't know it, i it, it was very confusing of her just like suddenly like beating bernadette's head against the countertop and the the cheap cgi blood splatter and oh like, god yeah that's the first instance of the real bad cgi blood I just wrote down like, well, things with Raquel and like, like escalated things really quickly. I mean, because she went into this like, oh, I'm going to go go into the bathroom. You need to freshen up. She's like, oh, freshen up. So she goes in the bathroom, teases her hair a little bit and then comes out and just bashes Bernadette's skull in. Yeah. And then just randomly like eye lasers Mike out of nowhere and kills him. Yep. And when she gives the great one liner writing 101. No pie. Like, uh, oh, man, that's just really where we're going with this, right? <laughs> but then we get the the, 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 the greatest, like, the crawl of all when it says, like, U.S. Armies. Oh, I'm sorry, good. I'd have just thrown in, you owe me 314 for the pie. <laughs> hey, but I'm bummed. More clever uh, movie. <laughs> well, the dialogue in this is really like to, to say that it's minimal is is being kind because there's there's some dialogue by the two lab assistants that will got coming up here in a second because right after the no pie part where she bashes Bernadette's face in with the bad CGI blood, we go into U.S. Army cyber labs and somewhere Arizona and it's. Very specific that it's December 20th, 8.07. So specific of where and when this is. So that's why I think that, you know, they're they're, they're very adamant that this is a Christmas movie. Because our, our group of kids are coming into play here very soon. And we've got one of them who is always playing Christmas music on a trumpet. Because, uh, you know, how many young kids in their 20s are riding around with, with a dude playing a trumpet rap? Just carrying the trumpet for no fucking reason. What? So ever, because uh, I mean, I guess the trumpet makes makes girls wet. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't think it was actually. Even the girl that liked that liked him seemed kind of like, why the fuck are you doing this? <laughs> like, <laughs> I know I was being facetious, but yeah, it's uh, but yeah, we 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 get. I mean, uh, what's the doc the doctor's name? Uh, 
the, the, the Dr. Merriweather. <laughs> and she's supposed to be our evil scientist, though? I, I guess. <laughs> she's not very evil. She's very and her two an evil science, evil anything, honestly. Yeah, I mean, if anything, she's almost evil, but just by being neglectful. I mean, when she comes in, and I will have to say again, the setting of this, you know, this underground lab, this lair looks really good. It, it, it almost feels like it's from a different movie. But these two lab assistants, Mary and Marie, they're just so bad. They bring the movie down. And that's real. I mean, that's an amazing feat to bring a movie down when it's only 45 or 46 minutes long. Yeah, Dr. Merriweather is sort of whatever. She's there, you know, she's she's pretty much like we got to find her, you know. And the 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 two girls, dude, like they are they're irritating. They're ir- they're not they're not cute, funny. They're not charismatic. They're irritating. Yeah, it's straight up irritating. The way that they're written and I feel like the way that the the shots are staged and the dialogue edited together, I just they're they're weird quips of them like finishing each other's dialogue and stuff just plays horribly. I, I think they're actually the two worst characters in the entire movie. Oh yeah, hands down, without a doubt. Like they Unfortunately, both of them don't die, but when one of them does die, it wasn't soon enough. Yeah, it was way too late. <laughs> yeah. It's so, like, oh, they, come on, you could have had a two-for-one deal and got both of them. Why not? Yeah, but you know that in all this stuff with, like, the, the military compound or whatever, like, the real MVP is the, the General Griffin character, because that guy showed up ready to, like, earn his paycheck. And that guy's, like, chewing the scenery, and he is having fun as, like, the the general guy who's like get my baby back you know <laughs> yeah he got, got a general griffin he yeah. he is the mvp because he's the best actor of this movie he's the one guy who genuinely feels like he's like he is trying <laughs> to do something and and we can't forget the other person that's there too you know because there's that random man in black that's just sitting in the back of the scene with <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> For no reason whatsoever. He's never mentioned he does nothing in the movie whatsoever, but there's just a random MIB, you know, chilling in the background. Cause. Because why not? Doesn't every random military institution have a random man in black standing there looking like Dan Aykroyd from Blues Brothers? I mean, I've been to a lot of military compounds and they all have at least one. So, yeah, it's, it's a must. It's <laughs> realism. They go for realism here. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I agree. Our other sellers was the actor's name played General Griffin, only because they couldn't get Eric Roberts. I don't know why that wasn't Eric Roberts. That should have been Eric Roberts. He was Just, busy one of the 43 other movies he was doing this year. <laughs> yes. This year? What do you mean? That's like this month at least. Like... Uh, but the, the ending of that scene, I have to say, is... Uh, of course, they want to get her back alive, and they and there are two, Marie and Mary, go way, and yeah, and then they like they have that awesome line of dialogue where they say, "Daddy issues, super mega," and as I put in air quote or not air quotes, but I wrote down in quotes in all caps with exclamation points, writing, 
because that is the weirdest like setup and dialogue ever. Not weirdest, just the worst. It's like kind of like maybe I'm wrong, but like channel some kind of weird like sort of like bubblehead valley girl kind of like vibe. Yeah, like, yeah. Coolest girl type shit, and it's like you guys don't have the charisma and. I'm not I'm not trying to be mean, but like you don't have the look for it. No, they didn't have the charisma or the looks. I I I'll 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 be the mean one and say, yeah, I agree with you totally. That's fine. You know what I mean? But it's like that comes down to a casting issue too. So <laughs> which you know I'm I'm a big casting Nazi, so and I think those girls are just not casted correctly. So No, no. <sighs> like I didn't get like at all either when they had the the weird transition like 15 minutes in when we finally get you know our after we get you know the, the scene with general griffin and we get the introduction of uh our group of kids which i wrote down and i literally wrote this sentence down i'm like i'm so out of it i'm not even going to try and learn these motherfuckers names yeah, they don't show like I didn't think to make note of it, but it's like in a 46 minute movie. They don't show up until at least probably 15 ish minutes into the movie. Do they 15, 20 minutes in? It's almost exactly 15 minutes in. It's so, like I mean, 14, 14 minutes and some change. So the movie's literally already a third of the way over. And then we just finally get the, the main characters. Which would have been fine if this was a 90 minute movie. And when we get introduced to these characters, they're just driving along, and there's one dude in the randomly in the back seat just playing a trumpet. You can't tell me that not every single one of those kids in in that car wouldn't have took, took that trumpet and shoved it in his ear. They're yeah, the, one like, of the guys would have like beat the shit out of him, honestly. Yeah, like oh man, I, I did. I do remember his name, Arnold, because I was just like the first thing I said was, "Oh, Arnold!" Like what a character. <laughs> Like, no. Uh, uh, yeah, like, and why is he always, I mean, I realize it's December, but why is this random Arthur kid, like, they're going on, a, like, a trip? Why is he playing the trumpet? Why, of all things? I mean, like. It, it It's kind of like one of those weird things where it's like, you know, you watch earlier Elm Street movies, dude, like, you know, the characters had, you know, defined characters, you know. You get into, you know, some of the later sequels. Or I think the trope started with Elm Street 3, which is considered the best sequel. But, you know, you got characters like, oh, this girl's the punk girl. This is the sassy black man. This nerd likes to play D&D. This kid plays with puppets, you know. You get, right, right. This girl lifts weights. This girl is a science nerd. This kid does karate. You get to part five. You know, this kid draws comics. This girl wants to be a model. It's like you get the you get the point. Like, yeah, just there's one specific character trait, and that defines the whole fucking character. There's no there's nothing else deeper than that. It's well, like. Would you agree with this next uh, note that I have here is like literally these characters are less than one dimensional. Yes, I didn't even understand. Like, where were they even going? Were they? I had no idea. I had no I idea. To a concert, I think. I think they mentioned something briefly in passing, but to be honest, uh, maybe it's something that wasn't 
shot correctly, you know, like shot at all. Maybe it's something that was lost in filming or in post or something, but I don't feel like their motivation of what they're doing is very defined. I don't know. No, no, it's not. It's totally not. And they're all very one note. Yeah, they're just some. I mean, at least I guess Arnold was. Yeah, I mean, at least he has like a trait. He's the obnoxious dork with a fucking trumpet. A lot of the others, they don't even have defining traits. They're just there and complain. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just there to, like... Uh, there's else that you can say that can, like, define any of the other five of them in the car, honestly. I don't think he's the only one that's only no, describable by that one point. And you know why that one, that one whole point exists? Because it's the, it's the key to defeating her. It's like that. Right, right. That generic trope of, you know, the villains. Kryptonite is, you know, uh, a weird sound effect or a weird, like, you know, it, it, it isn't the same thing, but it makes me think of, like... Uh, Attack of the Poor Tomatoes with they they play puberty love and that's what defeats the tomatoes. Ah, you know, I I hadn't thought of that connection, but or, I, like I, I could I could see that. Yeah, or, or Mars Attacks where they play that <laughs> that weird like song and it makes all the the Martians. Oh yeah, the yodeling brains. Yeah, their brains like blow up in their heads and stuff. So it's kind of just like I feel like it's kind of taking a page from that. Just you know, it's not a real. Like a song, it's just shitty a weird trumpet. note. <laughs> yeah, shitty trump, trumpet blank. Oh, you know, but it's it's a very generic sort of like been there, done that. I've seen this before type of aspect. So, yeah, actually, I, I now that I I think about it, that, that you've mentioned that the the connection, the kind of like attack of the killer tomatoes and Mars attacks, like I kind of see where they were working that in. Not, I can now forgive it for having the dude playing the annoying trumpet. <laughs> I can't forgive it for a lot of things, but I can forgive it for that. Yeah. But uh, one thing I do like about this, and I know it's probably just uh, an add-on, you know, in, in editing, but the blood plume, plume time-lapse effects, the transfers, look kind of cool. But, like, the, the, and the, the transitions there look cool, you know, but, like, that's where the cool part ends. That's, like, the, the transition, and that is the end of the... The, the, the coolness that, that that's it that's all you got yeah we do get a secondary scene here not too long after the the kids arrive at the gas station because they realize they're out of gas and that's why they stop in this you know this one stop sign town so we get a second scene with general griffin where he has the argument with where he's just like where it's like the flashback to uh raquel's creation when she was created you know, when she's watching them through the window and then they do that time lapse the, 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 where he's like, you know, and he says something to the effect is like Cle- cleavage does not instill fear in the enemy, which <laughs> literally had me laugh out loud. But I mean, it, it's funny because they, you know, you have, you know, Rocky DeMarco slash Melissa Bressiel playing this role. You know, she's a fit woman. You know what I mean? Like she's a, oh, yeah. she's, a she's a very athletic woman you know when they have her when they ask her to flex and she you know does like the the superman flex she's got some arms on her she's very physically fit she looks like she like that woman could kick my ass i'm not gonna make bones about it no i I have no doubt that she'd kick my ass too but you know that being said too though she's got 
some assets and i mean you're in a winorski movie so those assets are going to be put on display so it's funny that they worked in to address the fact that she's in a ridiculously silly like skimpy clad outfit to show her tits (laughs) because she doesn't need to be so he addressed that which i thought was kind of clever actually (laughs) yes it's it's funny that the two best scenes in this movie involve general uh you know which i could i could be wrong you know and i'm not as versed in my my late night skinamax type of content as i used to be as a as a teenager you know uh guilty as charged you know but um of all the movies i've seen that you know she has been in i don't i don't ever remember seeing her do nude scenes i don't recall either i know i've seen a couple of them but those uh, late night skinamax movies but I think she always kind of showed them off, so to speak, but never actually, you know, in air quotes here, showed them you know, I, her assets. Which, which, there's nothing wrong with showing that if that's what you want to do. But I, oh she, no, no, she always felt like someone that was a little classier and was like, I, I don't need to show them because in other movies, I've seen her. You know, no, no offense to this movie, but I've seen her do pretty pretty good performances in other films so i mean she can she can act like so you don't have to you know a lot of these girls that's why they're there is what what they're bringing to the film and right. uh, especially if you're in a Wanorski movie i mean he doesn't hire ugly girls you know what i mean he and he likes to hire women who are very top heavy yeah he likes to hire women that are well endowed Yes. So they 90% of them all have uh, augmentations in their mammary areas. So, <laughs> and she is, I'm sure, no doubt, you know, one of them. But uh, she always seemed like someone that kind of got got by because she had other skills. And she is a, she is a singer as well. She ha- she is a, a vocalist, much like uh, Becky LeBeau. I don't know if you noticed, but in the in the scene where Becky LeBeau is in the movie, there's a song playing in the background. That's actually a song, I believe, written and performed by Becky LeBeau. Oh, no kidding. I knew she was a singer, but I didn't know that was like her singing on the soundtrack. Yeah, a lot of the movies she appears in will feature music of hers. She even has a, an actual performance sequence in Attack of the 50-Foot Cam Girl where she performs uh, one of her original songs. And she's a Becky LeBeau is a, a, in my opinion, I think she's a great singer. She's got some catchy shit that she's written and performed. So, but yeah, like her and Rocky DeMarco are both, you know, have other other talents. So, uh, but it's funny that you know Rocky's in all these movies that are very exploitive, and the fact that they have to address that she's wearing this really basically slutty looking top to show off her boobs, but not show them off. I thought it was kind of funny that they went there to explain why she's in it, even though she doesn't need to be in it. It's probably the most clever thing in this movie. Truthfully. Yeah. Like I said, both, both scenes that are the best scenes in this movie have general Griffin in them. So I think a movie could have benefited for even more of him. And, and it's funny because those sequences you said where they're looking at the flash, you know, we're looking at the flashback stuff of, them training her and get you know doing all that with her it feels like stuff that should have been shown earlier because i feel like the movie opens with her just sentient and loose yeah like it it, it felt like there was almost like 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 a real 
you know, like I know that the movies don't have reels anymore. We missed the but first. Like a like a reel was yeah. Yeah, because it's I've used this I've used this comparison before or this analogy, but I'll use it again. It makes me think of like when I sit down to watch like an anime film or something, you know, like the worlds and some of that type of stuff is so complex and so deep. There's so much that's gone on. And then I could sit and watch, you know, an, an anime film and say it's a part one. You know what I mean? I feel like I've missed so much, though. It's like it's like sitting. I feel like I just. Yeah, sat, yeah. Yeah, because like, like there's part, like you're miss, missing part of the world building. Yeah, it's it's like it's like I just sat down to watch like you know the the season premiere of like Grey's Anatomy season ten or something, but I didn't watch the first ten fucking you know nine years or some shit. You know what I mean? It's like I feel like I missed so much, and that's what watching this movie feels like. It's like I feel like we're missing part of the movie. We didn't like. I feel like we missed her escape and a lot of that stuff with the training and the prep stuff and you know i feel like that was shit that should have came earlier but then it was moved later i don't know about the mechanics of like what was actually in the script like if there was stuff that just didn't get shot or if there was stuff that was not used but it feels like there's just a lot of missing content well, you know, I mean, it's also th- that is uh, hammered home with the like the short running time, the short yeah. running time at 46 minutes. It just feels like an underdeveloped movie like they either, like you said, like they either didn't, you know, either they didn't have the time or the money to film part of it or it was missing or it was filmed out of sequence and they just didn't put it in it. It feels a, a very disjointed, to say the least, literally. But then we get like during like it's dur- during the flashback, we get like that weird scene with uh, Doctor Merriweather, where she's doing like the glow stick full body massage, but she's like bathing in like neon fluorescent light. Yeah, it's like she's holding two cell phone devices or something with like bright neon light on it, and she's just basically standing there like full nude like with her tits and pussy hanging out just like basically rubbing this these light sources all over her body for no reason whatsoever other than tna well it's it is a winorski film so you had to figure that that there was going to be some tna in the movie at some point it just seems like an awfully odd way to get it during a a flashback but yeah you know i when Orsi's gotten to the point where he's found a million and one ways to to have an excuse to have nudity in a movie, and I think this is his reason number two hundred and thirty-seven. Well, it's funny because I I was watching it and I remember thinking like, oh yeah, this is a very vanilla movie for a Winorski movie because there's not there's not any of there's not any of that content in it. And then I was like, oh wait, there is that one really silly like nude like neon light bathing scene with the the doctor lady and it's just it looks very poorly <laughs> done because like like you had said you used the word so I'll use it when she's moving those around especially around her her breast area it's almost like her boobs are translucent because you can like they light up and it's like you can see in them and you can see all the veins in her in her breasts 
Yeah, it's it's really weirdly shot, which is not attractive. And I'm I'm not trying to diss the actress, you know, because the actress is gorgeous and she has a great body, but like it just it doesn't look good. I don't. Yeah, think. that was not a not a, a great aesthetic for them to try because when it's shining through her body, like it's the the lights are so intense. Like like you said, you can see the veins in her in her in her body, and it's just like it's just not a a great look. And it, uh, that part alone almost felt incomplete because she stops for a second, like she thinks she hears something, like she gets disturbed for a moment, then just goes right back to shining the light, you know, little cell phone lights all over her body, and there nothing comes of that. And then the scene's just literally just over. And they're back in the diner, and they discover, oh, uh, well, they don't ever show Becky again. She gets away, I think, just because she gets fired. But it's Bernadette. That's the other one. Bernadette and Skeezy Mike are hanging there, hanging by Christmas lights, thus hammering home the idea that this is supposed to be taking place at Christmas. So does that technically mean that Murderbot is a Christmas movie? It is. So I expect this to be on your December watch list every year, henceforth, right between a Christmas story and Die Hard. Oh, well, it'll, it would have to edge out transfers, and that's going to happen November of another. Not going to happen. Like <laughs> Christmas movie from Full Moon, which is funny because it came out in like March this year. So kind of an odd <laughs> choice. But I guess it's a it's a California Christmas, so it's not really a Christmas movie in the way that we would imagine it because there's no snow. So. Yeah, there's nothing to say that it's Christmas other than Arnold playing Christmas songs on his trumpet and that one brief scene where the Bernadette and Mike are tied up with Christmas lights. Otherwise, you would never know it. Truthfully, I'll be honest, I didn't even make the connection that they were tied up with Christmas lights and it didn't even I like I knew subconsciously, but I never really made the mental connection that, yeah, he was constantly playing like obnoxious Christmas songs. I just didn't. (laughs) I was just like, I was just so like mentally checked out at points. That I just didn't like put two and two together. So, well, like I, I said, I was so mentally checked out at one point. I literally wrote the note that said, I'm not even going to try to learn any of these motherfuckers names at this point. Yeah. Like other than Arnold. And I think the, the first girl that gets blown up, what was her name? Jess, I think I'm uh, not even going to cheat and look up. Uh, I'm I'm gonna cheat and look because I think it was Jess, yeah, because that is Dare Taylor. So okay. a lot of a lot of current full moon actresses are people. Uh, this movie's AP. Uh, the associate producer is Cody Cameron, Cody Renee Cameron. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. AKA Barbie from the Barbie and Kendra films. Uh, so Cody Cameron. Uh, has a successful OnlyFans. She knows a lot of other talent who have OnlyFans as well accounts. And she has kind of repped a lot of those women and gotten them roles in full moon films. Dare Taylor is one of those women. Ah, okay, gotcha. Dare is in the Twelve Slays of Christmas. She's in Giantess Battle Attack, and I believe she's in Evil Bong Eight Eight Eight. If if you watched Evil Bong Eight Eight Eight, for whoever's listening, the three women who come in that are basically the social media influencers who eat their soup topless. Those are all three, I believe, women that 
were gotten from Cody that are basically OnlyFans girls, you know, and uh, right, right. The OnlyFans or any of those those you know performers, but um, if you're getting people from OnlyFans there's a good chance that you're going to get people who are willing to do nudity. Uh, shockingly, this is one that uh, Dara did not have to do that, and she actually got to try and act. So, And she's actually, out of the kids, out of the young people, you know, and I say kids only because I'm probably 20 years older than every single one of them. Uh, 25 or something, yeah. except probably Arnold and his not-girlfriend. So. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, Dare T- Taylor is just as probably the best actor out of those kids. And yes. so it's, it's kind of a shame that she gets uh, laser zapped by the, the evil Terminatrix, you know, Raquel's laser eyes, you know. And, and again, another bad CGI bloodbath. For her, I guess, yeah, this would probably be about her fourth-ish full moon movie. Um, I, I'm not familiar with the dude who played her boyfriend. Uh, I'm not familiar with the other main dark-headed chick. The guy who plays her boyfriend, though, the the driver, <laughs> I don't know what his name, character name is, but the guy who is driving the car is Eli Serino, who is actually the son of Chuck Serino, the cameraman slash editor slash composer of this movie. Ah, okay. So, yeah, he was grandfathered in, so to speak. He's been in four Winorski films, I believe, that I can think of off the top of my head. This Bigfoot or Bust, which also had Rocky and Becky and him and probably one or two others. Uh, he was in Bigfoot or Bust, and he's in both of the 50-foot cam girl movies. So, and he's, now, he's funny in those in those movies, in the 50-foot movies. Like, he's really good in those. He, I've got to see those. I've got to finally break down and watch those. I highly recommend Attack of the 50-Foot Cam Girl, as silly as that might sound to endorse. I, I highly recommend that one. Um, but he's in, he's in both it and its sequel, and he's really funny in them as the, the cam girl's husband, who's huh. like, he trying to get her get her fortune, and he's like managing her. He's a really funny. Uh, he's, he feels kind of wasted and not really utilized correctly in this movie. So It's with everybody. It just, it just seems like a... A movie where they they filmed half of it and they only gave a half-assed effort to what they were filming. And I hate to put it that way because I hate to just completely knock on a movie, but it's... I have to, like, some of these other kids, like the other two kids, the Walter Mintz dude who played Arnold. He's someone who did a lot of... He did a handful of movies with Wynorski as a child. So that's how he's in this, presumably, because he was in, like, Nessie and Me, like a, a family, like, fucking Loch Ness monster thing. I remember hearing about that. I've never seen it, but I'm I'm familiar of his existence. <laughs> like him and Jay Richardson. And he was in some of those one or two of those doggone movies, too, I think, maybe. And the the girl playing his, I say, his not girlfriend, <laughs> uh, Sydney Sydney Thackeray. Uh, is the daughter of uh, Gail Thackeray. If you know who Gail no, Thackeray is. No, no, I don't recognize the name offhand, no. Gail Thackeray was in Giantess Battle Attack, the 50-foot cam girl sequel as the queen of the alien planet. She was in a lot of Wynorski films in the 90s under the name Robin Harris. 
She has a very thick foreign accent, and she kind of had some like uh, dark reddish hair. Real, real pretty, very funny actress. Uh, so she was she was in, uh, I believe, both Sorority House Massacre two and uh, Hard to Die, and she was in Haunting of Morella. Okay, uh, I remember that one. Yeah, signature titles. So this this Sydney Thackeray girl is her daughter. So she, you know. By, by. Well, and, and she and the Sydney, the the actress that plays Cat, she disappears for a good fifteen minutes of this movie, which is to say, she disappears for a good third of the movie. Because there's the point where after Dare and her her boyfriend character both just die, and he dies in the dumbest way possible because they see Raquel over there, and they're not really too shocked by seeing another person finally. But she's like hidden behind the car hood, and he starts. Oh yeah mashes it and it's like okay yeah clearly this one's evil but um they it, it's like what is it the the other dark-headed girl and arnold go for help but that <laughs> but sydney thackeray's character is just like i'll wait in the diner by myself and yeah, you, yeah they're like you hide here although we skipped over one thing i want to talk about is when the the uh, dare taylor's character just when she literally says i saw one of those little phone building thingies and like she's like and the boyfriend's like, what do you mean? Like a phone booth? What's that? Well, how do you know what a phone booth is? Oh, I saw Superman. Oh, yeah. And then he's like, weirdest give, exchange. Give me your credit card. And she's like, and he's like, oh, wait, it takes change. And like, nobody carries money. <laughs> yeah, nobody carries. No, nobody carries that kind of money around anymore. Dialogue. The other I think I'd mentioned beforehand before recording to the, the line dialogue that kind of I was like, what was when they she goes in and she flips the switch to basically for them to steal gas. But then and she's like, how many how many boys does it take to pump gas? None. Because a girl has to do it. <laughs> Bad joke. OK. Bad what, joke. What a punchline. OK. <laughs> Ta -dum -bum. That was almost as good as some Seinfeld shit. Yeah, for being like probably you know the most solid character maybe ish of the group she has like the most miserable death too because as she's running back to the diner she just sort of like gets cgi <laughs> zapped and turns into a, a cgi blood splatter yeah she just gets like vaporized yeah everybody else gets their head crushed it has the those weird lights that emanate from raquel's hands that just like fry their fries their brains and makes their brains explode but she like gets full on like just just completely zapped like into vaporized bloody dust <laughs> it's really really strange but man uh <laughs> I was like, I was just right put her. Oh my damn! Arnold's shitty trumpeting is gonna save the day, and it's just like now we know why they made making. They've been making us listen to this lame ass white boy playing the trumpet, playing Christmas songs on the trumpet for the yeah, whole movie. All he is is a plot device to defeat the villain at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would, I would, I would say so. That's really that's the only reason why he's there. Which is funny because one thing we didn't mention yet either is is that, you know, the general is like, you know, bring my baby back, rah, 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 you know, and he's like, don't kill her, you know, and then, but then they hire a, like an assassin dude. To yeah, like a, mer like a mercenary of some sort. 
mercenary dude to come and get her, which is, again, another, like, B-movie regular who's been in tons of, like, Winorski stuff. I mean, I see this dude on Lifetime all the time. Uh, Rib Hillis, who's just... Yeah, this guy, his character's name Santos, isn't it? Yeah, Santos. Which which I oh, I will never forget his name because the fact that his first name is Rib has always like cracked me up. <laughs> the stage name, but Rib fucking Hillis shows up with those obnoxious lab assistant chicks and he shows up at like 35 minutes in to a 46 minute movie. Yeah, literally 11 minutes before the movie's going to end. He shows up like in the in the fucking the final grind of the film, and I he popped up, and I was like, "Fuck, where are we?" And I was like, "Oh shit, the movie's about over," and uh, he doesn't really do a whole lot. No, what? he he walks around and looks tough for a little while. Yeah, and like he he you know he sh- he shoots you know Raquel a couple of times, but I mean like he ultimately like finishes her off at the end. When, yeah. you know, the Arnold's, you know, riveting trumpet playing fucking, you know, uh, disables her momentarily. I mean, but like he and he also it, gets disarmed really easily. Yeah, it's and it's funny, too, because when she gets defeated, too, it's the most just kind of blase, anticlimactic, whatever, because he's just like, <laughs> with his terrible trumpeting. And then she just kind of like she's she glitches and then he just shoots her in the head three or four times and she just kind of falls back <laughs> on her knees and that's that's that yeah i mean and then when they 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 waited a lot longer well i mean when the one guy i can't even remember i think it was luke decides right before all that happens he decides okay i'm gonna go out i'm gonna make a run for it i'll bring the van around if i'm not back in 10 minutes i want you to leave and then it's the next morning and they even have a conversation a riveting conversation about it where they're like, yeah, Nate, we waited a lot longer than 10 minutes. It's like, yeah, y'all did. Y'all should have ran. Yeah, I, yeah, time flew by really fast, too, because when that was, that was Sam is who that was, because that was the Eli. That was Sam. Okay, that's right. But yeah, it's like, I, I don't, I didn't realize so much time passed in such a short amount of time. So. Oh, I love when they get to the one trailer. I think it's, is it, uh. Val and and Arnold is it that end up in in the trailer when they go to the they run to the trailer and like this place looks safe but it's like really ramshackle of a building of a trailer you know that's held together by like a, a spit and a prayer and like this place looks safe no no it looks no more safe than the building that you just ran out of yeah it actually looks like more like a, a, of a ramshackle barn than anything that's going to protect you so. <laughs> It's like, right, yeah, it's right. Keep you safe from like a pissed android. Which, thinking of the pissed android, it makes me think of another one of the the great lines, and one of those scenes with the general where they're like, "If she she's sentient and she's able to tap into the the AI or whatever, she's like, she'll murder the world." <laughs> it's, like, it's like that sounds. Sounds bad. (laughs) Yeah, she's going to murder the world, but what? This robot that can be taken out by three shots to the head? Yeah, I (laughs) didn't. And she didn't murder much. I mean, she's. I mean, she had a better body count than most full moon movies. She had. I think she killed eight people. So, which I have to say, like you know, we're kind of at the end of the movie essentially. So, 
Like, yeah, pretty much. There's a point where before, you know, Arnold uh, incapacitates her with his beautiful musical stylings where where Val keeps telling him to keep blowing, keep blowing, blowing. No subtext there. (laughs) uh, No, not whatsoever. The Santos and the the two scientist chicks are like wandering around and Raquel grabs the one scientist chick and kills her. And then like, I feel like there's not a lot of closure to anything at the end. Like I know there's there's not a lot, none whatsoever. Go get the other girl, but I feel like we should have seen them reconnect and be like, yo, we're saved, you know, and get that moment to show that, you know, yeah, you know, young lovers. Now they can, you know, I don't know, be in love and stuff and alive. But yeah, at least no. have like a, a a a lover's happy ending. Yeah, and they never like go back and get the other scientist chick. Like, where did she go? I forget where she went. But she's I, just. I, I don't think she, they ever show where it happens to her, do she, they? They just she's just not there anymore. They kill the one, and then the other one is I forget where she goes. But well, they did. leave her. the The Santos tells her to to stick with her, to stay there with her, and then they never show her again. With the, with the dead girl, with the dead. Yeah, they, yeah, she stays with the dead scientist girl, and then she's just forgotten about. One of those people that I really have to be shown shit, you know. Like, and I've said this before. Like, if I'm on a uh, on a set, like I've get gotten in arguments with DPs where I'm like, all right, I want to see a shot of them walking out the door. And they're like, well, they're they're exiting the 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 shot, so it's implied that they left. And I'm like, cool. Now I want to actually see them go out the fucking door as extra evidence that they fucked off. Yeah. You know? Like, the, I feel like I really feel like I should have seen Arnold go and, like, tell the, the cat character, like, we're saved. You know, we defeated the robot or we defeated this weird, you know, leather clad dominatrix chick with fake boobs, you know, because they didn't know, like, they didn't even know really what she was. But uh, and I feel like we should have seen them go back and get the other scientist chick or something. But it's like, nah. It's kind of like classic this is a tall comparison, but it's like reminds me of like the classic uh, universal monster movies. It's like monsters dead movies over roll credits. The end. I mean, the the closest we got was, was Arnold running into the diner and jumping, having the cat character jump to his arms. And then when they flash back to outside Oh, Rocky's laying there, Raquel, and her eyes start glowing, and then that's it. Yeah, I don't even remember him, like, reconnecting with her, because I'm just like, like, we never got to see that, but I guess we did. Yeah, there, <laughs> but, there was a shot, like, he he runs back. I don't even think they have any dialogue. He just calls out her name. She jumps into his arms. They hug, and then just, it cuts back, and that's it. It just feels like there's so much stuff missing. Yeah, like a plot, a story. Uh, I know it was really missing a movie. There was really a movie missing here. <laughs> I won't harp on it anymore. There's really m- not much to much to say about this. But I, I was surprised though when um, the only thing that surprised me was when Santos came back to life after you know he gets knocked out by our Terminatrix lady, and I thought he was dead. But then oh, he pops back up, pumps three rounds into her head, and takes her out but 
kind of sort of takes her out because you know they have that bumper ending where her eyes flash so they're promising a sequel but i could probably guarantee you this is uh not gonna have a sequel i'd be willing to bet money on it we'll go out on a limb here and say that you would be more likely to get a fucking seed people to than ever see murder but two <laughs> <laughs> so that's gonna happen november of never right literally like uh that that would only happen in the multiverse because uh back in the day they would say oh yeah every movie is a pilot except for seed people you will never have a seed people too much in the same coin you're never gonna fucking get a sequel to this movie so I, i i think it would be a cold fucking day in hell before they actually did another one of this um and i i i'm i i can wait I can wait. I, I, I can wait and uh, I won't hold my breath waiting, but I can wait for a sequel because <laughs> it's never going to happen. <laughs> but that being said, we're at the end of our 46 minute movie. Uh, it, I, call, I, I call it a short. It, it's not really even a, a feature at 46 minutes. It's, I, I don't like calling movies like this features. I really don't. I know by film festival standards, 45 minutes or longer is considered a feature, but by distribution standards, that same logic does not hold up. So I, I don't like calling movies like this features. Unfortunately, a lot of modern full moon movies have started to sink into these ranges of run times, which I am not a fan of personally. Yeah, I'm not either. I mean, I like a good short film, but like give us to that in a short film, not into, you know, and, and try to push it off or push it as a, as a, as a feature. You know what I, I mean? I mean, I remember back in the day when things like the Frankenstein Reborn and the Wolfman Reborn came out and those were 45 minute movies. And I remember thinking like, man, I can't believe they made like baby features of these and then like uh evil bong 420 i remember thinking the exact thing too i'm like dude this movie's 53 minutes long what the hell happened and and evil bong 777 59 minutes i'm like man they just they can't eat these things past the fucking hour mark but i mean you know for better or worse look at some of those there's really not much happening (laughs) sadly there's more happening movie than i think in 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 some of those other movies but um uh nowadays it's almost the norm that these movies are just a lot of the current stuff is just short 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 and i'm i'm not a fan of that at all yeah me either i mean the only thing that that that's a benefit at least you know at least there's not a whole lot of movie to have to suffer through it'd be different if it was two hours and 50 some odd minutes long you know i I guess i'd rather sit through a 45 minute shitty movie than a three hour shitty movie but like it's just it suffers the the for the lack of a better term and i can't believe i'm going to say that the art suffers you know because you know with a movie like this though i genuinely feel like it could have benefited from more runtime because it feel like there were some things that needed developed a bit more and it's it's not yeah if, if it would have been developed a little bit more it would have been a better film definitely and it's not here so i i think that this movie should have had another 15 to 25 minutes put onto it you know because I, I just i won't say i won't say this often but uh, i agree with you there i i i 
uh, that, it, that any movie could benefit for an extra 20 or 30 minutes added on to it. You know, th- this movie could have, at least it would have been more coherent. It would have felt like a, a, a complete film. Yeah, it would have it would have played better, I think. But then, you know, on the same coin, you know, look at, you know, the 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 new hotness nowadays. Everyone, you know, creams their pants over like Terrifier 2. That movie needed 25 minutes taken away. Actually, it needed about <laughs> 45 minutes taken away because it's too fucking long. Like, I think movies like this do have uh, a limit, you know, and you won't find a lot of like overly long full moon movies. You really won't find too many that are over 40 minutes or over 90 minutes. Uh, no, no, not often. And I mean, if, if you're watching some of the surrender cinema kind of like patchwork type things, a lot of those run oddly an hour and 41 minutes. But I think there's a strategic thought process to those because I think they're selling them into certain markets that require a certain specific amount of runtime. So <laughs> it's strategically to that 101 minute mark, almost on the on the dot. But, um, you know, the genuine like original content films like this, they just they don't they don't usually get two past 90 minutes uh nowadays though unfortunately a lot of them are less than an hour and as a fan honestly i just feel cheated when i you can't give me more than an hour's worth of content yeah i i just i gotta i gotta agree though i'm not just not a fan of the shorter content these less than an hour long movies you know it's it's just i don't know I, I, i'm just not a fan not a fan at all and, and you know and on on the flip side though other movies that you know we'll talk about one day they don't deserve to be longer so you know right well um, say that being said we we have uh i want to say blown about as much as we can to this movie (laughs) want to go ahead and give our final thoughts and a rating on a scale from one to ten if you can do that man sure so you know i for a bit of quote-unquote historical perspective, I remember this movie being announced and it was being talked about as Killbots. And it seemed a bit sus being a Jim Wynorski film. And there was a lot of mystique and mystery as to what it was going to be. Some people were sort of hypothesizing that it was going to be connected to Chopping Mall, which I knew would never be a thing, you know, because I have common sense. Chopping Mall's not a full moon movie. They would never make a sequel or continuation to something that's not theirs. So, uh, but I think a lot of people were hoping it would be that. I feel like at points, people thought Kelly Maroney was going to be involved in it. And, you know, she's clearly not. I'm glad that it has nothing to do with any of that. But it felt like they talked about it for a while, and then the movie was shot. And then they didn't talk about it for a while. And, uh uh, any anyone who's as observant as I am will notice that this movie was on Charles Band's IMDb, you know, because he is the executive producer. Typically, he's the executive producer on every full moon movie. You know, these are right. concepts of his. Uh, when the movie finally came out, his name is not attached to this movie. He is not billed anywhere on the film, and this movie was removed from his IMDb. Uh, so he hook his name off of this movie. He is uncredited. Uh, I have heard rumblings that he was not happy with, you know, rough cuts of this movie. 
Uh, I think that of the three films that Wynorski did for Full Moon, uh, it's been a a loose decline from film to film. And I think this one was, you know, maybe this was the one that broke the camel's back. I don't know. But uh, I think that it's the weakest of the three. And like I said, it just feels like an incomplete movie. It's really short. It feels like there's a lot of stuff missing. Uh, yeah. I, look, I like the camera work for the most part. And, you know, the editing, I, like I said, I like Chuck Serino's work. I think the music is fine. It has a really nice kind of pedigree of cast. I love a lot of these people. You know, I, I, I really, for what it's worth, I've always enjoyed, you know, Rocky slash Melissa. And I always dig, you know, Lisa London and Rib Hillis and Troy Fromm and, uh, and some of the younger people, like I've enjoyed Eli Serino and, you know, for what it's worth, their Taylor's not bad. So there, there are things I like about this movie and I have to repeat, you know, you know, it's there, there's stuff happening in it. It's not, yeah. it's not a, it's, it's not an over, over slog where it's just dead air. Uh, but I feel like a lot of things like the lazy effects, like blood work and shit is just beyond unforgivable. To it them. just makes it absolutely, it takes what could have been a good movie or at least a decent movie and just makes it atrocious. Yeah. And, and I think in the bigger scope of things too, I mean, Oh, Oh, killer like woman robot. is not, a, it's not a new concept. So I think that it's kind of an odd choice for something that was as a as an original full moon film. One thing that I think that you can usually look at full moon movies and kind of, you know, whether you think they're done well or not, because, yeah, sure, we're not living in the Paramount era. I get it. Not all the movies are being made for one or two hundred grand anymore. They can't all be subspecies five nowadays, you know, but um, they're all high concept ideas though they typically always have been this is not a high concept idea it's actually a stock idea that's existed in many other numerous forms maybe this was something that one norski's pitched for all we know uh but it's it's very unoriginal you know i want to like it a lot more than i do and it, it, i literally i'm not joking or exaggerating for effect it hurts me to say that I I don't enjoy this movie as much as I want to. I really yeah, I, I wanted to like it. I I went into it thought it, thinking it was going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it's it just it's more of a letdown to me than anything. Uh, right. I, I don't think that it's it's not it's not by no standard one of the worst things Full Moon's ever made. It's probably one of the most ill-constructed and executed ones because i just feel like there's not a lot that connects really yeah I, I, so i'm gonna like i'm gonna come out really high sounding i'm gonna give it a five Ooh. because it's i just feel like it's dead in the middle to me it's it's not as good as it could have been it's not as bad as they can get it's just very blase in in the middle there's things i like about it there's a lot of stuff i hate about it 
but I would be more apt to rewatch this than some other stuff that's come out in the last two or three years that literally makes this look like Schindler's List. So, but <laughs> it is by no standard. So you mean it, it, it gets worse than this? Absolutely. Oh, I, brother. I, I dare you to let me show you how bad it can get. Cause, well, uh, I'll tell you what. I'll throw caution to the wind and let you pick the next movie. Again. <laughs> it's like, uh, it could be like ripping banded, band-aids off scars. So, <laughs> <laughs> off brand, ripping a band-aid off a burn. <laughs> literally, literally. But, uh, you know, it's... Yeah, this movie's just there. I I don't know. It's it doesn't impress me. It doesn't make me angry. It just sort of makes me sad because it it should have been a lot better. I will agree with you on that. It uh, except for the part about it not making you depressed or angry because it made me depressed. It made me angry. It made me sad. Uh, I will agree with you about most things on it. You know, it did feel like it was incomplete. It didn't feel like it was very coherent. I felt like some of the actors were miscast or maybe misdirected. I I guess I was hoping, since I hadn't seen a lot of Wynorski stuff over the last 15 to 20 years, I guess I was hoping with, you know, coming back to Full Moon that it was going to be a return of the Wynorski of old, but uh, it was definitely not Deathstalker 2 or Slumber Party Massacre, you know, uh, it, too. It was not fucking Chopping Mall. It was it was none of those films. Sadly, uh, sadly it's more Death Stalker three. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more more or less. Um, I'm coming in uh, a lot lower than you. Well, maybe not a lot lower. I'm coming in at a three. I can't give it much more than that. I give it a point for some. Uh, the the sets were really nice. Yeah, the underground, the the scientific lab set was set up pretty decent. You know, the the diner set setting, you know, the locations were really nice, and you know, they were photographed well. The cinematography was 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 decent. It's just something about like the CGI effects really bring it down, and just the bad, the overly bad dialogue. It just you know me, I, I was one of the things I usually say. I'm a stickler for, you know, even a movie has bad effects, bad direction, bad acting. If it has good writing, then I can forgive it. This did not have good writing, so I can't forgive it. So it's damn near bottom of the barrel for me. It's a three. So I have to leave it at that. <laughs> so for for a possible, t- out of a possible 20 points from us, it gets a whopping eight. So ouch. Bad on you guys, man. Bad on you. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I always have to say, like, just because, you know, I like to repeat myself. I, I I think of these things like a grading scale, like in, in high school, you know what I mean? Like a, a, a five out of ten questions would be a 50%, which is an F, you know? Right. I, it's It's not good. Like, it's, there's neat things about it. It just... It just doesn't work. But that being said, yeah, I think we'll stick a pin in this one for the evening. You know, folks, I uh, hope you stuck with us this long. We've talked about, oh, I'm going to say about uh, an hour and 20 minutes about a movie that was only 46 minutes long. So we talked almost twice as long about the movie. And I, I hope our, our our talk and our dissection was uh, more entertaining for you than watching this movie. And if you haven't watched this movie, well, we did so you don't have to. 
But folks, uh, I've been your host, Cameron Scott. This has been my co-host, Dustin Hubbard, and we have been reviewing and dissecting a murder bot from 19, I was almost said 1923. <laughs> oh, shit. From 2023. And folks, as always, thank you for listening. Thank you. Have a nice day.